Welcome back for another episode of Locked On Canes, where it's all about to you. I'm your host, Corey Joyner. I am joined by co-host Fred Purdue. Fred, what's happening? What's going on, Corey, man? It's another great day to talk uh, Miami Hurricanes football. And you know what else? It's Throwback Thursday. We have a jam-packed show today. A starting quarterback has been named for the Georgia Tech game. We have reports from practice, keys to success for the remainder of the season, and we have story time with former Canes national champion, as well as his impressions on this 2019 Miami Hurricanes team. Before we get things started, make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnCanes, for the latest happenings with the show, as well as updates about the team. Nikosi Perry got the nod to be the starter against Georgia Tech. What does that mean for this team, and what can we look forward to going into this game? You know, we weren't really sure. We were actually very wrong about on the last show saying that we may not uh, see a starter until the actual day of the game, a little bit of coaching gamers, gamesmanship, and we were wrong. Uh, Coach Manny Diaz decided to name a, co- uh, a starting quarterback, which is good because now you don't have a team that's looking at, at their head coach like, who's our leader? Who's our leader as, as a starter? Uh, so you have, and we, the receivers know what to expect because the, the ball comes out different from different guys. Uh, whether it's a center quarterback exchange, whether it's uh, Nikosi made his timing with different receivers is a little bit different from Jaren's. Their 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 leadership skills in and out of the huddle, all of those things are variables in a game. And to have a, a guy that's pronounced as he's the starter, we don't have any other questions to answer. Let's move on. Every coach wants to be able to answer that. Now, on the flip side of Nikosi being named a starter, you have Jaron Williams, who participated in practice this week, but they went ahead and started Nikosi Perry just because, based off how he performed last week, how he's working with the offense in practice. And I believe that Jaron is still a little hurt uh, going into this game, so the best move would be to sit him on the bench and let him recover for another week and let Perry just take over, especially with the offensive line as shaky as it is. I agree with you on that one because you want to have if if Jaron is your starter and let's say Nikosi is just filling in that backup role and you know every team wants to have a really good backup who is available and prepared because your name can be called at any time uh, to to step up. This is the perfect situation because Jaron can heal up. You have a capable capable guy in. Uh, Nikosi Perry, who can not only run the offense efficiently, but he also adds a different dimension to the quarterback position because you have a guy that can he can extend plays with his legs. And albeit Jaron's a good, a very good athlete, but he's not Nikosi Perry. Now Nikosi can't do some of the things that Jaron does, which is being able to push the ball down the field, being able to see the field a little bit different see things a little quicker. He may not see the full field like Jaron may, but Nikosi is a highlight waiting to happen. And whenever you're able to extend plays, sometimes it can get him in trouble. I do have to put that out there. It may get him in trouble. But whenever you're able to keep keep the play alive, a la Russell Wilson, Michael Vick, or you, whoever you want to put into that, into that position, that type of player, you always have a chance. Yeah, and... As we spoke about the quarterback position yesterday on the podcast, Nikosi Perry is a gamer. So once Nikosi gets out there on the field, Nikosi's going to adjust to the game as the game is happening. Uh, he's going to make some throws. He's going to have some overthrows. 
but he's really deadly outside of the pocket when he can get on the move, when he can scramble around a little bit and get us some first downs or even score some touchdowns because he did have the game-winning touchdown last week against um, against Virginia. So we definitely want to see Nikosi Perry on the move there. With Jaron Williams, I hope he can get back fully healthy. I really like what I saw out of him early in the season. Just wish he would take some more shots, take a little bit more chances, especially to Jeff Thomas. As you can see, Jeff Thomas' numbers have increased with Nikosi Perry. They have a better rapport on the field. And I think Jared can get that same rapport if he just takes some more chances in the offense. Definitely. And I think with Nikosi, what you're going to see is you're going to see a, a different type of laser focus. Last year, uh, I don't know if you remember how he had so many issues on and off the field and it really affected his play. But everything I've seen from him, whether it's interviews, whether it's his demeanor uh, on the field and during games, he has this laser focus. I think that was a wake-up call last year. Uh, yeah, you weren't necessarily benched, but you were uh, another guy beat you out on a job that was essentially yours. You were recruited to win that job, to be the guy last year. And you were kind of lackluster. Well, now this is your job and it's time for him to step up. Uh, for Jaron, now he's kind of in the same position Nikosi's in because now he has to he has to actually watch from the sidelines and see another guy take his job. And if he continues to play well, of course the coaches are going to run with the hot hand. They're not going to go back to Jaron just simply because he's the starter. Those those days of losing your position, not or I'm sorry, not losing your position because of injuries is over. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes are in win now mode, and because they have a they have an outside shot at this whole ACC coastal thing, I think they're going to they they see the sense of urgency, uh, and every game at this point, while while they're not in the the national playoff hunt, they uh, every single game is win to get in. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up um, with the idea of if Nikosi Perry plays well that he'll continue to be the starter because I believe that could exactly happen. Um, if he plays well, he balls out on Saturday. Even though Coach Manny has continued his narrative, Jaron's our guy. Jaron's the starter. When he gets healthy, he'll be the starter. That's all we've been hearing the past couple of weeks, but how can you take the hot hand out the game? How can you do that to the players who are, you know, they're riding the hot wave too. We're going to go as far as our quarterback can take us. So why would you, as a coach, take your hot quarterback off the field? I don't see that happening. And we're rooting for Nikosi. Even though everyone had their side, if there were Nikosi high, if there were Jaron Williams high, it didn't matter because who's ever on that field, we want the team to win. We want both quarterbacks to be successful. Unfortunately, in the game of football, only one quarterback typically will be on the field having great success. Sometimes... When it's really rare, you have a two-quarterback system, but that is really rare to have a two-quarterback system and have success. You know, a coach once told me, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Uh, I don't – in every situation – there's only been one situation where I've ever really seen that actually be untrue. Uh, that, that happened up in Gainesville with that other team up there uh, with Tim Tebow and Chris Leak. So and that, that happened to win a national championship. There were a lot of different factors in that, and – there were defined roles with all of that way back when, over a decade ago. So, uh, again, 
If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. In this situation, you're just wanting Nikosi to step in, do his job, and continue to be consistent. Be the same guy in and out of the huddle. Be a leader. Be that guy that you want to be there. And unfortunately, it's gonna it's gonna add into some real competition. Especially, see, I for me, I look at how this will affect the team going into the offseason because you're going to have they have this transfer portal thing and you know how guys don't if they know they've lost the job they quickly bolt to that transfer portal and it was we've already had to worry about jaron leaving one time i don't know i don't know but that's a story for a whole another day you know success is one of those things that you know we want to see this team have and you know keys to success you know we the quarterback the quarterback is uh, one of the major keys to success. You're right about that. He's one of the main ingredients. And we spoke about the uh, the upcoming schedule on the last podcast, but we're going to dive more into what those keys will be so that we can have a successful second half of the season coming right up. Now we talked about the keys to success and what can we what can the hurricanes bring to the table in these final six games so that we can ensure a spot in that ACC championship game what do you see Fred from the team that they need to do week in and week out to secure victories the offensive line has to get better in the run game if you protect your quarterback not only in the passing game but the the hidden one of the hidden things about a young quarterback, and Nikosi is really a young quarterback, whether it's him or Jaron. Both of them are really young quarterbacks. I mean, Nikosi's a redshirt sophomore. He's only really played one year, one maybe what, a, a full season, really. So you have to protect him with a solid running game. And we talked about this, you know, the, on the last show where uh, offensive coordinator Dan Eno said that we were lacking in the in the stretch run game, getting to the C gap. Well. That's it, it's a it's one of those things. It's a, a damn if you do, damn if you don't type of thing. Just because you just because you can run certain certain types of, of concepts in the running game doesn't mean it's going to work. Teams like Virginia are so fast and long uh, from sideline to sideline. You can't run east and west. You have to run north and south. Some teams uh, you can't do that against. So against a team like a Georgia Tech going forward, and we'll kind of get a chance to talk about that. Uh, on a, at a later time, but those are the types of game, types of teams you can run. Uh, you can run right at man on man, uh, or if you want to go zone, you can and just say, uh, DJ, go put your foot in the ground and get upfield, make a play, uh, find the hole, make a play, and you can use Cam Harris as a uh, as the battering ram, as that second wave running back. Uh, but also for me, play calling is a huge thing. You sometimes have to dial up people plays. You know, what people plays are, hey, we, we need the ball in our playmaker's hands, Jeff Thomas. You don't always have to throw it deep to him. He's he's a slippery, elusive guy. Give him, give him the ball on screens. Set these linemen up to succeed. Let these guys just fire off on linemen, on defensive linemen and linebackers who are much smaller, uh, maybe a little more athletic, but at least you can maul these guys. Uh, use the RPO run game, and you know you don't have to be in shotgun every single play. You can go under center, have a more pro style running game, and be a little bit more physical. 
because we know how college football is now. It's so finesse. Be a little bit more physical and be that be that bully on the block. I think you're taking a peek at my notes over here because that was the number one thing I wanted from this team is to run the football more. Get the ball into DJ Dallas and Calvin Harris' hands. And I like that you mentioned with Jeff Thomas, shorter routes, screen passes, end arounds. He is elusive. He's fast. He's a playmaker. And we want to get playmakers the ball. I think that will for sure help this team going down the stretch. And then also, we talked about it with the Nicosi Paris situation. If he gets hot, if he has a really good game on Saturday, you got to keep him in there. You got to ride the momentum. You know, this this is a game of momentum. It's imagine you can't see momentum. You can't see it when it comes to football, but you can feel it. The team can feel it. The fans can feel it. The school can feel it. You know, so if he's hot, we're doing well. Keep him in there. Jaron will be okay. Jaron's time will come again. I have no doubt about that. But you gotta stay uh, with Nikosi Pair if he's riding high. And then switching it to the defensive side, they gotta stay aggressive. They gotta get eleven hats to the ball. Wherever the ball go, the whole defense has to go. They can't wait on the offensive players to come to them. They gotta get there. They gotta make the play. They got to get the turnover chain to come out. And we need to see the turnover chain more. We're not seeing it enough this season. We need some fumbles. We need interceptions. We need pick sixes. However we can get it done, we need the defense to go out there and make life easier for our offense. Definitely. The defense needs to be a little bit more aggressive, and I think that's going to to happen under – uh, Manny Diaz because he's had he has his fingerprints all over this defense now and you can see little things I think he's not going to overstep his bounds uh, per se with let Blake Baker uh, be the be uh, the defensive coordinator let him do his job but he's also in his ear hey put a little pressure on that quarterback uh, for example uh, in the coming weeks you're going to you're going to be playing against some offenses that are a little bit more physical in the run game and if the run game if you take that run game away you pressure that quarterback make him make some mistakes and you're going to play against some younger quarterbacks uh such as a louisville i know we're looking ahead very far ahead but when you look at a louisville who just lost their quarterback Jawan passed to a finger surgery to thumb surgery he's out for the rest of the season so the next man up is a is an inexperienced quarterback so, yeah, he'll have a couple games under his belt, but he's not going to see a defense that even resembles what a Miami aggressive Manny Diaz type of defense looks like, where the blitzes are coming, where the disguises are coming. And, yeah, the the, the secondary is a little bit inexperienced, but that front seven is pretty darn good. And if Greg Russo gets more, t- more reps, which I expect him to get, he's just getting better and better. And... He's going to be one of those guys you have to know where he is every single play. Yeah, I expect the same thing from Greg Russo. He should be licking his chops coming down the stretch. He's he's peaking at the right time for this team. This team needs him to be in the backfield and to eat. And I can't wait to see him on Saturday to see what he will do to follow up such an impressive game that he had against Virginia. And for the secondary, they're going to get better as, as the season goes on. They got to grow up. They're young, and they got to handle their job on the back end. 
We need to see some more plays from our playmakers in the secondary. We got a big sack from, from Bandy, ACC Player of the Week, and we need him to continue that success and lead this secondary. Excuse me. <clears throat> and have him help the other guys make plays. Blaze Jr., have him make plays. Bubba Bowden, have him make plays. Someone else needs to step up, help out, and if we can do that, and they can do that as a unit, defense is going places. We're already holding opponents under 20 points a game. And this is college. College offenses light up the scoreboard. And as long as they continue to get better, we're headed in the right direction. My last key for for the rest of the season is special teams. You know, football is a three-phase kind of thing. It's offense, it's defense, and we all get caught up in the skill guys and the quarterbacks, and then you get caught up in the defensive line where teams are just putting pressure on people. But at the end of the day, Miami's issue is right now, has which has been has determined I mean Miami's three and three, but they could easily be five and oh five or six and oh, maybe five and one because of the kicking game. Uh, the Florida game came down to the kicking game. Uh, the North Carolina game came down to the kicking game. And you lost two games by a combined seven points. You can't If you lose those games, if, if you lose those games because of the kicking issue, you got to get it fixed. And right now, I can't say what a kid will do in a pressure situation. Turner Davidson, is the, that was his first start last week. But going forward, Bubba Baxa, you're, you have a target on your back now. And – Turner Davidson, I mean, he didn't have to make anything more than a routine uh, extra point or anything, but it does give you a little confidence to know that a simple th- – and I, I hate calling it simple, but in today's uh, football now, 35-yard kicks are chip shots. And- it is a chip shot. <laughs> but, you, but you hate to call it simple. No, it is a chip shot. That should be automatic, man. We shouldn't have to sweat when the kicker comes out for a 35-yarder. You know, Ever. You, you know that you're right. You really are right. And these kids, I, I, I try not to put too much pressure on these kids, but they're on scholarship for a reason. And I want to see more from the kicking game. I'm, I'm remiss to say the punting game has been great. I can't say anything about the punt, the punt game. Uh, I can't say anything about the return game, but it's the kicking game. It's the Achilles heel of this team. And, uh, Kick here and there could change, could easily mean five and one being ranked maybe like in the top 15 ish, something like that, or being three and three. So, uh, this team isn't far off. There's they're not really that far off. And Manny Diaz, you know, that he did say that throughout the, the offseason that this team was this was a process, this wasn't last year's team, and he wasn't lying. You know, a lot of fans discount that kind of thing. Oh, this is la- this isn't last year's team. And you expect, oh, well, these guys are juniors. These are guys are sophomores, and they've made this this huge leap. It doesn't really work like that. Some guys are just they their their development takes a little bit longer, and sometimes you just don't have the player that you want, whether it's a kicker, whether it's a corner, whether it's your quarterback. You know, you don't have that developed P, uh, player to to take you to that next place. But coaches are not going to say, well, we have a little mercy on us. No, there's no mercy. You know, you're at, you're at the highest level of college football, and we expect wins. Now, Fred, we laid out the blueprint uh, for the keys to success for the remainder of the season. Now it's time for a blast from the past on Throwback Thursday with former Canes national champion. Enjoy. 
And now I'd like to bring on a special guest, Kelvin Harris, a part of the 1987 Miami Hurricane National Championship team. What's going on, Kelvin? What's going on with you, man? Man, it's been, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Here at Locked On Canes, man, we we do something here called thir- uh, Throwback Thursday, and you're the first. You can always say you're the first. You're the first one hey. to join us for this. Okay. Thanks. So, so we wanted to bring on a former player, and, and going forward, we'll be bringing on former players to kind of give us some some story times, some some good, the good old war stories. We know every football player has something that is one of those things that they just never forget. So, what is a story? Give us a story, man, because you know you've had you've had been a part of some some big time big time battles. Uh, well, eighty nine, because it's the thirtieth year. We got a 30th year anniversary celebration this week. We were uh, playing Florida State as Erickson's first year. And uh, he gets up Monday of the week. And he's talking about, yeah, you know, I know it's, you know, it's a big rivalry game. But, you know, I know supposedly their stadium is uh, this loud place. But. Stadiums don't mean that much. I mean, I've played in places like Tennessee and Oregon, and we were like, huh? So Father Leo just so happened to hear him. He was in the meeting. I forget why he was in the meeting. He was in the meeting because it's the Monday meeting, the first meeting of the week, you know, team meeting before you go to your individual coaches. So I guess Father Leo pulled it to the side afterwards and like, Dennis, uh, this is not Oregon. This is ah, it's 102,000 in Tennessee. Like, all right. So we get to Tallahassee and we go out pregame, get ready to go out for pregame. And he comes out, him and other coaches, and man, they let them have it. They yelling and they're yelling some things that I can't say on, you know, podcasts and throwing beer on us and so we go out for pregame, we come back, and we look around, and uh, their eyes are as big as saucers. Because, you know, they didn't know it was coming. So then we get out in the game, and we get the ball, and the first play, Geno throws a pick. And then the second play, Dexter Carter scores a touchdown. And from that point on, we couldn't hear anything for the rest of the night. I mean, and I mean, it kind of shocked the coaching staff, but they, you know, they they, 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 they recovered, and we really had the game won. But Shannon Crowell fumbles at the one, they pick it up, and then they threw a bomb on the next play to like our 40, to their, to their 44, 45-yard line, and then that was a ball game. So we're sitting on the bus afterwards. And this little kid comes on with these, uh, they used to, back in the day, they used to make these signs up after the game with the final score. So it said Florida State 24, Miami 10. And we're just, we're just waiting. We're like, man, why are we still here? And so the little kid comes on the bus. You guys want to buy a sign for me? <laughs> and the sign. And, you know, we were just so beat down. We were like, you know, we were kind of mad. But nobody, you know, you couldn't, it's not like you can punch a kid. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you had a couple, just get off the bus. 
<laughs> but I was like, you know, we were like, man, they just totally disrespected us. And then on the way out, I mean, they didn't they didn't throw bottles at the bus, but they, you know, they were on the side of the bus, you know, rocking the bus back and forth for a while. I mean, they let us have it. <laughs> and, I mean, our coaches, they were just, after the game, out there smoking those cigarettes, just trying to get their nerves back. And, you know, the next time we went up there in 91, you know, he was ready for it. But that was uh, – but then, you know, we go on to win the national title. And it's funny because we were sitting on the bus, and I remember all the linemen were sitting in the back. I remember telling Leon Cersei and Claude, I said, man, you know we ain't out of it. And they all like, man, shut the hell up. I said, look, all we got to do is keep winning. I mean, if Florida State lose, they're like, man. Because actually Florida State already had two losses. And so I forget whoever was in front of us, it felt like dominoes they lost, and then we ended up playing Alabama, and we went in there as a title. And then the other part of this is after the game, we're again outside the buses after the, after the Alabama game. So we're all feeling good about ourselves. And Darren crying, you know, we're all standing there, and Darren crying just like, man, you know, he's all excited. It was his freshman year. He says, F. F. Bear Bryant. And I don't know where this old dude came from, but he punched Darren straight in the jaw. <laughs> you talk about Bear Bryant like that. And we was like, what the? And he had to be like 70. So, you know, we didn't, you know, Darren was in shock. We was in shock. So we kind of grabbed him. Like, Man, get out of here. And then we started picking at Darren. But we were like, wow, where'd he come from? I mean, because it was our buses. And we were just all, all the players were out there, you know, celebrating and crying. I was like, man, F Bear Bryant. Next thing you know, bam. I mean, I mean, it's like he just appeared out of nowhere. How dare you? But that was a strange year. But it ended how it was supposed to end because it was my second national title ring. And really, really it should have been my third. But the Cleveland Gary play, um, Still, still makes me upset. It's one of those plays that um, I, I always say. A lot of coaches they have moments uh, that they just make them. They they wake up in a cold sweat. Uh, I've seen it personally. Um, had one of those moments before uh, coaching high school ball, but uh, it's one of those moments where you, you have something, a game, a moment, a play uh, that just makes you wake up and, and you say, "What if?" So I fully understand. I fully understand. Uh, but the Alabama thing, that that one's really, really interesting because I know how Alabama fans can be and how how, how they hold uh, Bear Bryant in such high esteem, even with Nick Saban being who he is now. Uh, oh, they, they're split. They're, there's a split amongst the old, old school Bama fans mm-hmm. who, you know, grew up on their own on Bear Bryant and you know Nick Saban I mean they loved him some Nick Saban but Bear Bryant mm, yeah that's a touchy yeah. exactly exactly um now talk, we have now that we have some we have a little bit of something to kind of go back on because those olden those olden days those are the glory days and, and we want to go back there we do we really do but this week is is the mid-season point of of the 2019-2020 season. And 
this year has been kind of up and down. So what are your thoughts on the state of the program so far? We're three and three. We kind of salvaged the season. What's going on? What What does Kelvin Harris think uh, about this program right now? Well, when I went into the season, I looked at the schedule and I thought we could go anywhere from 10 to 2 to 12 and 0 because, uh, you know, there's some good coaches in the Coastal. But right now, you know, conferences, teams, they have ebbs and flows. And we're on the downside right now because everybody's rebuilding you know, a lot of the conference. And, you know, everybody's got their mouths on uh, the shaft of the SEC, but it's coming there next year. So I looked at I looked at our situation and I thought, if we beat Florida, we could run the table. I said, you know, and I thought to myself, Virginia will be tough, but it's at home. Um, FSU is, you know, I know people say FSU is in a disarray, but you throw the records out when they play Miami. And so we lose the Florida game, which we should have won. And I think the kids, they still had the Florida loss on their mind when they went to uh, Carolina. And then, you know, Carolina, to the credit of Mac Brown, they made some, they made some um, great coaching moves. And, you know, we were in a bad situation in that we only had one game of film on them. So we got them relatively early. And, you know, they changed some things up after the first game. The kids did make adjustments. Their quarterback is, you know, at the time, nobody knew how good he was. Um, and we blow a coverage on fourth and 17. So then, you know, you come back, you play Bethune-Cookman, all is right with the world. Central Michigan, we lay an egg, but we win. And then we laid a real egg against Virginia Tech. And, you know, everybody was about to, you know, kill themselves. And then here comes Virginia. And things, you know, kind of went back up. And I think what happened is, is that the reality is, even in my assessment of the team, I didn't, I wasn't sure what was going to happen against Florida because you had a redshirt freshman quarterback, two freshman left tackle, a true sophomore uh, right guard, a redshirt freshman right tackle, and then a redshirt sophomore center who had only started two games before that game, not to mention a brand new secondary. So you're talking about a whole lot of new variables. And even though these guys are talented, you just don't know how they're going to perform until they get in the game. Well, nobody saw that Jeff Thomas play coming. And if you take that Jeff Thomas play out of it and um, the uh, Kadarius Tony play at the beginning of the game, and the midfield goal. We're three plays away from winning that game. And then when you look at Carolina, we're probably another two plays away. The fourth and 17 and a missed field goal. So that's five plays from 2-0. and And then if we just throw one pick instead of three against Virginia Tech, we win that game. So we're only – we're less than ten plays away from being, you know, 5-0. and I put it in a little – Or six – I give a little bit even more perspective to kind of piggyback on you. Um, Miami lost the floor, lost three games by a total of fourteen points, and yeah. that's v- against three teams that are 
mean, Florida, we see what Florida is now, but no one knew they would be this good, you know, going into the season. No one expected them with a Felipe Franks. He was the fan. Their fans thought that he would be okay, but I wasn't all that high. I think he has talent. But he, nobody was. Nobody expected I mean, him to do outside that. of the fan base. Right. No one expected them. They expected the defense to be a be better. Their secondary was really good, but no one expected them to be undefeated going into last weekend before LSU just completely shredded their secondary. Um, shots fired. Um, <laughs> but no one and no one expected what they what North Carolina's doing there in every game, even against the number one team in the country, taking them to the brink. Until a bad play call at the end in overtime, boneheaded decisions, and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech always loses games they're not supposed to, but this isn't the same. This isn't Frank Beamer's Virginia Tech. Uh, this team is in disarray. You know, we have players talking about quitting. So it's like for me, I don't. I see what Manny Diaz was, you know, thinking. Where there's there's a little bit of um, an issue with competitiveness and things like that, and that's fine. You know, you're, you're, it's a building process. It's not built. This is not something that's just going to be built overnight. So I get what you're saying there. Well, you know, the thing about it is all these people are coming back next year. Um, we might lose Jonathan Garvin, but that's okay. We got Jalen Phillips coming in. Um, Bandy's going to probably be back. And he hasn't played good enough to leave. John Ford, you know, more than likely – should come back. I don't think he's, you know, he. There may be some sentiment in his camp, you know, his family, their situation. Maybe that makes him think about leaving. But I think he'll be back. Got all five starters back on the offensive line. Uh, one of those, you know, one or both of those quarterbacks will be back. I mean, it's just a situation of um, being patient as a fan base and I think that's the biggest problem is that none of the fan bases in America are patient anymore but look Bama LSU Oklahoma are all coming back Georgia they're all coming back to the rest of college football next year I was just having this conversation with the bag man from Bama it's going to be a totally different team next year definitely agree uh, when we talk, when you're talking about the uh, the the war of attrition as far as just this constant cycle of players constantly leaving, uh, you you see that in college football. Now, Kelvin, before we get out, get you out of here, man. I know you have uh, a podcast of yours that uh, you know you. I, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot, man. So before you get get you out of here, make sure you go plug your work real quick. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, um, I'm gonna be dropping on Wednesday. Uh, Usually it's every Thursday, but we've got two new games in a row. So the next um, and a Friday game. So basically the next couple of weeks is going to be on a Wednesday. And uh, you go to Miami-Huddlecast on uh, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And I guess I'll be doing mid-season grades, and then we, you know, we review – the past game, I give grades and game balls, and I'll be previewing the Virginia, te- or excuse me, the uh, Georgia Tech game with the athletic beat writer for Georgia Tech, Tori McElhaney, and um, 
probably gonna have a former teammate on with me to talk about this 30th year celebration. Uh, if they get back with me in time today. So, you know, we got an action packed show. Uh, like us, follow us, you know, send me some comments. Miami dash Huddlecast. I appreciate you, Kelvin, man, for coming on for another throwback for the first throwback Thursday. Definitely, this won't be the, the last time we have you on. Uh, so, looking forward to having you on at some point throughout the season. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on, man. Special thanks again to Kelvin Harris of the 1987 National Championship team for coming on the show. And don't forget to go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Leave a rating, a review, share it with your friends, and let us know what you think of the show. Your feedback is only going to help get this show better and bigger. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCanes for the latest happenings with the show, as well as the updates about the team. And remember, go Canes. Go Canes. Yeah.